welcome to our service, and uh, let's get to our sermon for today. Uh, it comes from Mark 1, 16 to 20, and so I'm going to read the text for you today. The Word of God reads, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Followed him. And when, they, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we get to study the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ together. And God, that we get to truly see his heart and to understand the things that were going through his mind. And so, Father, let this day not be any different. As we study your word together, give us insight into what you want to say to us. And, Father, we ask that your word will penetrate our hearts, our minds, our souls in such a way that we just leave bothered and convicted so that we can truly live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No matter what um, translation you, you have in your Bible, whether it's you know, NIV, ESV, it's most likely titled, Jesus Calls His First Disciples, right? Most likely. Maybe not. Most likely. And so today what I wanted to do is, uh, for, for the Bible like writers to sum it up in that way, obviously this sense of this, this word calling is a big thing. For Jesus to call people to follow him is a really huge thing. And so that's what I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit today. What does it mean to be called by Christ to follow him? And that's basically the biggest question I wanted to answer today. You know, the most common question I get, and I probably share this with you many times, the most common question I get as a pastor is this, Eddie, what has God called me to? Or what is God calling me into? In some form of that is probably the most common question I ever get as a pastor. And I think a lot of times what they're really asking me is what? What, you know, occupation or what career path do you think God has in store for me? As of late... Um, it's kind of shifted. It's more like, hmm, what social media platform do you think God wants me to become an influencer on? You know, and that's how people think these days. And, it, you know, it's changing. But, you know, what I want you guys to realize is when Jesus called these disciples to be his followers, you know, was he calling them to a career path? Was he calling them to an occupation? And the answer is no. Right? The more you read your Bible, what you realize is that the calling of Christ to be a disciple, whether it's 2,000 years ago or even today, is not about occupation or career, but it really is about purpose. And occupation tells us what you do with your life, but your purpose tells us why you exist in this life. And that's so much more important. You know, why do you get up in the morning? What do you want your life ultimately to be about? And what do you want people to say about you when you pass away? This kind of stuff, right? Your purpose. And your occupation or your career path is used to serve your purpose and not the other way around. You know, in my experience as a pastor, many people, not many people operate their lives every single day wanting to fulfill their purpose. People don't wake up and say, this is my purpose and this is who I want to become. This is who I want to be and therefore I'm going to work each and every single day. I'm going to plan this day, plan this week in order to become that person. And rarely do we see that. A lot of times people just wake up and they'd rather focus on what they need to do rather than who they need to become. 
And I think because of that, it's had a huge impact not only on their faith, but upon the church as well as Christendom, period. Right? And it's really sad. You know, in our passage today, when Jesus called these four men to follow him, it's a very interesting thing. He says, hey, guys, I want you to follow me. And then it literally says they dropped everything to follow Jesus. And the question I always have in mind is, did these guys know what they were getting into when they dropped their nets and they followed him? Did they know where they were going? And I think the answer is no. You know, do you think they were thinking, hey, I think this is the career path we need to be on. (laughs) This is the right thing. So let's drop our nets and let's follow this guy. I don't think they knew. I don't think they had any idea as to what they were getting into. But what we do know is that they dropped everything They dropped their families, they dropped their livelihood, they dropped their income source, they dropped everything to follow Jesus. And the reason why was because they were clear about one thing. They didn't know about it much, but they were clear about one thing. They knew that they wanted to be with him. And being with him was greater than everything else, right? That's what we know. They knew that They wanted to be completely his. And being his in every way became their purpose. Do you guys see that? Do you guys get that? You know, I'm not sure. Here's a sad point. I I share a few sad points. I might share a few sad points today. But if I do share some sad points and sad observations that I see in the church today, it's only so that you can come to a realization and say, man, if I'm that, if I'm contributing to that, I want that to change. And that's why I say it. It's not that I want to make anyone feel bad or feel guilty. Uh, I don't think, you know, that's happening a lot here, but it happens everywhere. You know, people who are convinced every single day that their greatest joy in this life is being Christ. And therefore, they live that day to be more of his is something rare. And and what I'm saying is sad is that I, I don't know if we see that a lot in the church today. You know, and I wish we did. I don't know if we feel that from fellow believers enough today. And that's sad. And so I hope today's message gets us back and gets you back to the original calling upon us when Christ called us to be his children. And so I want to talk about that calling today. Two aspects. There are two aspects of Jesus' call that clarify what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And the first one is this. Our calling is to follow him, to follow Christ. Verse 17, uh, it says, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Uh, In the NIV, the first word that you encounter is the word come. In most other translations, that word come doesn't exist. There's only two words, follow me. The first word is follow, which Jesus is telling us that's the direction that we're supposed to take our life. But what's the destination? Me. Right? Follow me. And Jesus is commanding and calling people to follow him. And what Jesus means by that is very simple. He's telling them that the primary purpose of your lives right now, starting from right now, is to walk intimately and submissively to me. The primary purpose of our call, the primary purpose of our lives is to walk intimately and submissively to Jesus Christ. Where he goes, we go. What he does, we do. What he's all about, we become, right? The call is to make Jesus the ruler 
and the model of your life, right? You know, if you've been a Christian for a while, that's something that's not new. You probably hear it every single week. We preach about that every single week. But I want you to think about it for a second. Our primary purpose is to walk intimately and submissively to Jesus Christ, right? So if any Christian actually did that, they walked intimately with Jesus, and they walked submissively to Jesus, then at the end of every single day, if, I, if we asked them questions like this, they'd be able to answer in the affirmative, right? You know, if we asked them questions like, hey, did, did you hear him clearly today? Did you go where he wanted you to go today? Did you do what he wanted you to do today? Did you become all that he wanted you to become today? We should be able to answer those things in the affirmative. But for the normal Christian, those are really intimidating questions, aren't they? If someone asks you at the end of every single day, did you hear clearly from God today? Did you do what he wanted to do? Did you go where he wanted to go? Did you become what he wanted you to become? You know, we'd be very intimidated to ask those questions because the burden of those questions that we hear are, did I hear? Did I go? Did I do? Did I become? And that gives us a lot of stress, right? But you want to know something? The scary thing, those are all red flags. If you think like that and if you felt like that, those are red flags because really the main part of those questions was what? Were you with him? You know what I'm saying? And that, for some reason, totally gets overlooked. Did you know what he wanted today? And those are red flags because it, it almost, it indicates to us that maybe we're even treating our own faith like it's an occupation, right? Like it's a job, rather than this amazing privilege that we get to hang out with the creator of the universe who loves us and cares for us, and we get to hang out with him and hear his voice and be with him. Right? We were saved to know him intimately. But not only that, but to want to be with him all the time. To follow him. That's our purpose. Um, these men dropped everything. Because that's all they wanted. They wanted to spend the rest of their lives intimately with Jesus. And just wanting to be with him and to hear from him and to become like him. The question I want to ask, I want you to ask yourself is this. Who or what do I follow these days? Right? Because we're all following someone, we're all following something, we're all chasing after someone, we're all chasing after something. Maybe the easiest, easiest example is the you know, social media, right? How many followers do you have? I follow like 20 people on Instagram. Right, which if you asked me two years ago, I was like, what's Instagram? But I followed like 20 people now on Instagram. I'm not proud of it, but I, that's who I am. That's what I do. And the thing is, we spend every single day of our lives with these people. I do, right? I, I follow their posts. I, I read, I go through their stories. I do. I'm like, you, that's what I do. I do that for like 30 minutes a day, right? I, I don't know. That's who I am. Anyway, but you know, we, we, we spend time with these people who post these things, who post the posts and the stories and stuff, and you know, and we, we spend time with them, we hear from them, you know, and we receive influence them, we receive influence from them daily. Some of them are actually even called influencers. That's actually their like what's on their on their cards, you know, their business cards. Their whole goal is to make you want to hang out with them, to continue to want to hang out with them, to learn from them, to grow with them and maybe to even become like them. Am I right? That's, isn't that what they try to do? But that sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? 
right? Isn't that what Jesus wants from us as well? But here's the biggest difference. The biggest difference is that when I hang out with these 20 people on Instagram, I always leave, you know, thinking about things that aren't eternal whatsoever. I always leave with this um, exaggerated sense of my grandeur. I always leave with this exaggerated sense of my own um, entitlement to become something or to be something or whatever it is. And ultimately, if I say it in a spiritual sense, I think I always walk away hungering for things that I know will never satisfy. But if you were simply to follow Jesus, the ultimate influencer, the biggest difference is that when you hang out with him, you'll always continually receive what will satisfy your souls forever. But it's not just things like social media that we follow, is it? You know, other people in the church, we follow things and we chase after things like money or success or relationships or happiness or influence. So many other things that are temporary and fleeting and of the world. And all of us, all to say, all of us follow something. All of us follow someone. All of us chase after these things. I thought about this week, and the first thing that I thought was, you know, because I want, I want to see people grow, and I want to see people hang out with Jesus so much. I, there was a part of me that was like, man, I wish Jesus had an Instagram page, and everyone could just follow, and he could just post, and we can get those things. And the only reason why I thought like that was because I thought, especially for our younger Christians, you know, I know the Bible and prayer and church. They're not the sexiest of ways to hang out and do, you know, to live your life. You'd rather, if Jesus could simply post something today, It'd be so much easier to access. Jesus would be so much easier to access if he was just simply, like, you know, put a story up just for 10 seconds a day, you know. I can get my daily fix of Jesus that way. And I just thought, oh, man, for our younger believers especially, I wish Jesus had an Instagram page. But then the moment I said that, I, I just thought, oh. But to me, that goes against everything that Jesus is about. And the reason why is very simple. Jesus wants to have an intimate, genuine relationship with you. And, you know, social media relationships are cool, but they're not as real as in-person, face-to-face relationships, you know? And that's what he wants to have with you. You know, yes, is it harder to read the Bible? Is it harder to pray? Is it harder to have genuine relationships about faith with people at church? Yes, that's a lot harder. It takes a lot of work to actually know Christ and experience Christ through those mediums. However, Christ promises that for those who truly seek after him in those prescribed ways that he's given us, you'll find him, and you'll know him, and you'll experience him. Does it take a lot of work? Yes, it does. But the reason why he promises that is very, very simple, because that's the call. He's not going to call you into something that he doesn't want to give you. He wants you to have him, a genuine, intimate relationship that causes you to fall in love with him that causes us to want to submit to him even more and to be his forever. A a relationship that convinces us daily that this is the greatest thing and the greatest gift in my life. You know, these disciples, they didn't know what tomorrow was going to look like, but they were convinced that if they followed Jesus his way, they'd get him. And they did. And not only did these fishermen get to know Jesus. But low-class fishermen went on to change the world and influence the world without the internet. (laughs) You know? It's amazing. But the call is the same for us today, to follow him. And in order to follow Christ today, God gave us 
these gifts, the gift of scripture, the gift of prayer, and the gift of the church. Is it hard to study the Bible? Yeah, it's kind of hard sometimes. Sometimes we don't even understand what we're reading. But it's so crucial that you read and study truth, especially in the midst of all the lies and that we are constantly bombarded with, whether it's media, social media, the, our gossip that we have with our friends, whatever it is, we need to know the truth. Not just the truth of, like, with a capital T of how the world works, but the truth of who you are, the truth of who God declares you to be. Every day I, I wake up with insecurity first, but it's not until I meet with God and he tells me, no, you're mine and you're awesome and I love you, that I feel secure. But if I don't do that, I'll operate the whole day in insecurity, you know? And I'll operate the whole day trying to prove myself when I don't need to. Do you know what I'm saying? We need to encounter truth every single day because it transforms us, it centers us, it anchors us in who he is. We also need to pray, you know? I know prayer is hard. It's not easy because we don't hear a voice coming, you know, calling back to us, talking back to us. But it's the medium. It's the space that God has given us so that we can hang out with the almighty creator of the world, the one who loves us, the one who knows us more intimately than we know ourselves, the one who actually loves us more than anyone else in this world, even us, and who will only operate with our best in mind. We have the opportunity every single moment to talk to him and to hear from him. Does that take work? Yes, it does. But it's in that investment. It's only when you start really spend time with him will you get to know him and hear from him and be guided by him, right? It, but it takes work. The church, you know, some of us don't even like church, but we come for because you know, we like the songs, because we like the sermon, because, you know, we like the environment. But we, we, we may not like the people, you know, and it's, it's a reality these days. It's not easy to invest in relationships in the church. I don't even get along with a lot of these guys. We can't even vibe. It's not easy. It takes work. But it's a gift that God has given us so we can learn from each other, help each other, encourage each other, and strengthen each other to know him together. And God specifically ordained it so that your church friends that you're sitting next to will speak to you. Right? He will speak through them to you. And you need them. Okay? These uh, may not be as attractive as, like, as an Instagram post or a story or something like that. But these are the means of grace that God has given us to know him. And as you work and engage in those things, you will grow to realize that through it, you can have a genuine, life-transforming relationship with Christ himself. And that's what I'd love for all of you, all of you to do. That's what he's inviting us into. That's what we've been called to do. The only question you really need to ask yourself every day is if he is who you really want. And I hope that he is. The second part of the call is not just to follow him, but the second part of the call is to fish for him. Verse 17 says, Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. In most other translations, if you learned it earlier in life, it's probably, you know, become fishers of men. And obviously Jesus is making a play on words with their occupation. They were fishermen, but now they were going to fish for 
men. You know, they once caught fish for money. This was their livelihood. But now Jesus is calling them to fish people for him. And what's really amazing about that is that Jesus is now telling them that when you live out this calling to fish people for me, this is what your true livelihood will be gleaned from. And that's an amazing thing that he's really stating. This is the second part of our call. I'll, enter, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. If we are to be disciples of Christ, the purpose of our lives is not only to follow him, but to spend our lives introducing people to Christ for him. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word fish for people because it just sounds awkward, right? But introduce people to Christ. That's what, that's what we're called to do with our lives. What's great about this passage is Jesus modeled for us exactly what he's calling us to. If you just read any story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you, and you just read the story of Jesus Christ, he spends his whole life in ministry fishing people, right? Fishing for people to follow him. All he does is introduce people to him, whether he's preaching, whether he's teaching, whether he's healing, whether he's like rebuking, or whether he's hosting, whether he's attending. All he tries to do is to get people to see their need for Christ. Right? That's what he does. And that's what his disciples did as well. Jesus described his whole ministry as seeking and saving the lost. The last words, the last commands he ever gave us was to go and make disciples. The whole discipleship-making process is fishing. And so that's what he wants us to do now. This is our purpose. This is our calling. And if we live this part of our calling out faithfully, our true livelihood in this life can actually be experienced through it. What does that mean? It means that when we live out this purpose to follow him, when we live out this purpose to fish for him, right, to introduce people to Christ, when that becomes what our whole lives are about, that's when we truly begin to experience this abundant life that Christ promised that we could have, right? Um, Jesus is basically saying, we get life, we receive life, right? The sense of life from him by living out this calling. This is what we need to do. You know, when I first became a Christian, like the church I got saved in, people were obsessed. People were obsessed with just seeing other people get to know Jesus Christ. Like I was in a church that was just hot. They just wanted people to know what they had. And that was how, when I got saved, that was it, you know, which was awesome. But, I'm, you know, one thing that's sad that I've seen over the last 25 years, 30 years, is that for some reason that's not as hot anymore, you know? And I don't know why that is, you know? And maybe it's because we do church wrong, or maybe because we're emphasizing the wrong things. But all I know is, as a result, and this is, my, this is Eddie Bang's conclusion, I have zero science or research to back this up. Because we are no longer living... Um, I mean, I just think it's very simple. People were so in love with Jesus. People were so thankful for what, how Jesus changed and transformed their lives that they wanted everyone else to know about Christ. And that was it. And so they told people about him. And because of that, they went on to live these amazing lives for Jesus. They were always on fire. But, you know, what I see today is that we don't have that passion, you know. And maybe it's because we no longer truly experience how amazing God's grace is within our lives personally. And therefore, because we don't see Christ in that way, we don't want to tell other people about him, and therefore, we miss out on how amazing it is to live as a Christian. Does that make sense? And therefore, when we're doing that, we replace that essential core of our faith 
with just doing church and being Christian. And we try to find satisfaction from those things that we're never promised satisfaction from, even though they're good and Christian. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's in the living out of our calling as fishermen that we find our true livelihood and we truly experience the deepest beauty of following after Jesus. Just as importantly, but, and so, you know, in my experience in the past few decades, I think the saddest part is that a lot of people, uh, I don't know if the right word is refuse, but they don't want to live out the second part of the calling. You know, they'll have their quiet time every day. They'll want to pray every day. They'll fine. I'll meet with some church people. You know, I'll, I'll do that kind of stuff. Uh, but they refuse to see their lives as this continuation of the mission of Jesus Christ to introduce non-believers, to grow people into maturity, to do everything they can, to use their lives so that people can know Christ and so that people can grow in Christ. And because of that, not only does the mission of the church surely but slowly die and fail, but we as individual believers miss out on the abundant and fulfilling life that God always meant for us to have. Do you know? You guys get it? All right. So just, in, just as importantly as you need to walk intimately with Christ, with Christ, you need to be living out his mission. I know for me and my wife, every single time we live our lives, and sometimes we'll go months at a time, not even thinking about winning people to Jesus, not even thinking about growing people in Christ. We just do our work. We do church work. We do all this kind of stuff. Um, every single time we fail in this area, it's as if all the energy has been zapped out. You know what I'm saying? Like we have nothing to give anymore. We're tapped out. We just don't even want to go to church sometimes anymore. You know? And that's what it is. But we gain so much energy when we intentionally focus our lives on reaching people. When we intentionally purpose our lives into growing people for Christ. We start praying over things that we didn't pray about yesterday. We start thinking about ways to strategize that, we, that things weren't churning yesterday. We start, it starts churning today. We start intentionally taking certain actions in order to live as people faithful to this mission. And all of a sudden, our prayers start to change. Our hearts start to change. Our mindsets, our dreams, everything starts to change. We start to depend on God for stuff, and we actually inter God, interact with God much more deeply on our everyday things. And we gain energy to live according to this mission. But when we live mindlessly, we miss out on God totally. And I wonder how much that happens in the life of a normal Christian at church. We are called to introduce the lost to Christ. This is our purpose. This is why we get up in the morning. This is why we get married. This is why we have families. This is why we get a job. This is what our friendships are for. This is what social media and online presence is for. This is why we do church and go to church, to seek and to save the lost, to go and make disciples, to make fishers of men, to become fishers of men, and to know him and to make him known. What does that mean for us practically? It means that we're going to spend every single day of our lives fishing. Every single day we throw out a net. We cast a line into the water. This is what we need to wake up with, this mindset, with this vision to be faithful to the calling that God has given us to win the lost for his glory. People need to be sought. People need to be found. People need to be grown in Christ. Our calling and purpose is to follow him and to fish 
for him. I originally wrote this sermon, and uh, earlier in the week I had three amazing, beautiful, practical ways we can do that. And it was so creative, and I'm, I'm bragging about myself, which is so stupid, but, you know, and because I, I like fishing, and so I, I, I like, like, brought fishing illustrations, and I know, it's so stupid. Anyway, but instead of that, I wanted to, I decided to change my um, message to kind of just share two challenges with you, two quick challenges, and then I wanted to read a, a bit of scripture that I think sums it all up. So I just want to end with two quick challenges in light of the sad things that I pointed out today, and maybe in light of my departure pretty soon. Um, and the two challenges I want to share with you. Please, put God's calling upon your life above all things. Okay? Put the call of God to follow him and to fish for him, put that above all things in your life. I want to share with you a complete oversimplification of the true reality of what's happening in our world today. Okay, this is a complete oversimplification, oversimplification of what's happening in the world today, and here it is. In our world today, Satan does everything that he can. This is his one and only goal. His one and only goal is to drag as many people with him to hell as he can before Jesus comes back. That's it. That's the oversimplification of everything that we see evil, war, whatever it is that you see in the world is all contributes to that, okay? Satan is doing everything that he can to drag as many people as he can with him to hell before Christ comes back. That's it. Therefore, completely logically, as a Christian, if we are saved, if we are his, and we, are, we have life and breath here on earth, isn't it completely logical that every single day we as his believers should wake up and try to introduce as many people as we can to Christ, who is our only hope and savior of this world? Isn't it completely logical that our only purpose and goal in this life should be to take as many people as we can to heaven with us before Christ comes back? That's the way I think. To me, it's that simple, Okay? Everything else, like everything you see on the news, everything you see on social media and the internet, everything, you know, music, whatever, whatever, it makes all that stuff is secondary, tertiary to that. Do you know what I'm saying? For those who understand this clearly, you know, putting the immense privilege of God's call to continue this mission of Christ with our lives, it's an honor and it's a joy. And I hope it trumps everything. And because of that, if you really understand the reality of that and the privilege that we've been called to fight, and then there's all these verses that I didn't want to quote today, call, all these verses that say the victory has already been won, we just have to live it out. God's already claimed the victory, and we've already won, but we just have to live it out. And so will you please just live it out? And if you do, you'll always be on the victorious side, and then you'll have the abundant life that God gives. These are all the verses that I, I, I didn't want to share with you today because it's just too many. But for those who truly understand that and understand the privilege and the honor and the joy it is to be fighting on his side, then it only makes sense that everything within our lives, every gift and everything that's been entrusted to us, we can now funnel and channel into accomplishing this great goal and task that he's given to us to win people for Christ. We can use our marriages, our families, our jobs, our talents, our giftings, our relationships. Everything can now be seen in the context of reaching people for Christ. Do you guys see that? 
I kind of believe, with that trend that I've seen over the past like 20, 30 years, I kind of believe that unless believers start to funnel every, everything of, of their lives into this mission and to make this their number one thing, into, you know, what their lives are all about, unless they do that, I just don't think it's going to happen, you know? And um, I don't want that for you guys. Number two, if you're going to do it, do it with all that you have. That's it. That's my number two, okay? Go after Jesus his way, and that's really important. Um, the greatest thing about these disciples, if you read in your Gospels, is they just follow Jesus, and they follow Jesus Jesus' way. You know, and every single time they got yelled at, it's because they wanted to do it their way. Right? That's, the, that's what I see. That's how I read my Bible. And, but today, it's, you know, it's kind of no different. There are so many Christians who want to follow Jesus, but they want to follow Jesus their way. They want to put limits on their commitment. They don't want to do those things. They just want to do these things. You know, they just want to do the little things that they want to do, but they don't want to do the hard things that no one else really wants to do. And they, there's all these conditions upon their following after Jesus Christ, you know? And that makes it so difficult, but don't do that. You know, if Jesus says you got to do it this way, just do it that way. And here's the key. Don't look back, you know? I think so many Christians today are always trying to find this compromise in their walk with Jesus. Like, I, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to chase after Jesus. But I also want so many other things, these worldly things in my life. And so where is that balance? And, you know, and we misuse that word balance in order to find this balance between one foot in, one foot out. You know, but that's not where it's supposed to be. Don't do that. Uh, if you do this, and so many Christians and doing, so many Christians do this for the rest of their lives, they're never happy. They're never happy in the world, and they're never happy as a Christian. So here's my advice to you as your pastor. Choose one. If you're going to be in this world and you want to be worldly, do it with all that you have. Okay? Just forget about Jesus. Do this. At least you'll be happy. Hopefully, you won't. It's a trap. But hopefully, right? Just do it. Don't feel guilty. Don't do this and feel guilty because I should be at church. I should be with Jesus. Just do this. Or just do this with all that you have. Abandon all this. And just chase after Jesus, Jesus' way, right? Here, you will be happy. It will be difficult. I'll explain that in a second. Yes, but you will truly experience the abundant life that you've always been promised by Jesus Christ, which may you may or may not have experienced up till now, right? Because maybe you've always had one foot in, one foot out. Obviously, I want you to choose this one, but choose one or the other. You know, at least you'll be happy temporarily you know, somewhere. But I think the, the tougher thing for us the bigger challenge, I think, for Christians today, especially believers that might be in this room, are the believers in this room who have already given up much in order to follow Jesus, which is absolutely awesome. But what you're discovering is that, hey, hold up. The longer I remain a Christian, it kind of gets harder. You think that the longer I remain a Christian, it should get easier because I should be used to all this. But what you're realizing that is it's getting harder. And it's getting, the demands are getting bigger. But that's good. And what, I, what I'd like to do is I'd like to encourage you to keep on surrendering. And keep on giving up more. Okay? And I'll, I'll explain why in a second. But one of the saddest trends that I've seen in the church over the past 20 years is this. And maybe you've totally seen it right in front of your eyes as well. One of the saddest trends that I've seen is that long-term believers 
Um, instead of striving more towards attaining this absolutely amazing gift and privilege that we have in Christ and, and as Christ, instead of attaining more of him and enjoying what we have not fully attained yet, instead of investing more in that direction, even though we've already given up much, we spend our lives almost happy about ourselves, looking backwards. And when we look backwards, um, we celebrate what we've given up. And then we start complaining about all that we've given up. And sometimes we look back and we're like, hey, hold up. I want that part of me back. And sometimes we, we look backwards and we try to go backwards. And we try to, once again, recapture what we've already surrendered. You know? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we do that in our faith. And as a result, you know, instead of joy characterizing our walk with God, instead of like this honor and privilege, instead of our hearts and our minds automatically going to worship because we continually realize his worthiness as we get closer to him, instead of those things, what ends up creeping into our hearts is a sense of entitlement, this sense of um, maybe entitlement. It creeps back, and we end up saying things like, Man, I gave up so much already. Now it's someone else's turn. I've given up so much already to Jesus. Now it's my time to rest. Jennifer, you ever said those things? If you did, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I say those things like every day, okay? But, but that's how guilty I am. But what you fail to realize is that with increasing demands, and that's why I say it's good if, the, if you feel like the burden is getting harder and larger, because God is entrusting you with more. And what we fail to realize very, so very often is that with increasing demands come increasing rewards. And that's what you have to know. With increasing demands come increasing rewards. Yes, we've already given up so much to follow after Jesus. But there is so much more of Christ for us to enjoy and to know. And that's what we need to realize. And that's what we need to be focused upon. Is it tough to follow after Jesus? Yes. Will it only get tougher Yes. Will it only become more painful as we continue to grow? Yes. Right? Will it be much more costly every single time? Yes. It only gets worse. But the reward will be that much greater as well. And when you start walking down that road, you're going to start, you're going to, start to understand some of these verses that you may have never understood before. And I'm going to finish with one of them. And it'll be and something that you thought was just a dream can now become your personal testimony and pride. Because that's who you were called to be. I want to close my message by reading Philippians 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I hope it serves to encourage you. I hope it serves to challenge you. And I'm reading this because I think it sums up everything that we've just talked about in the past few weeks about in the book of Mark and what it means to be a disciple of Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, we who boast in Christ Jesus, and we who have no confidence in the flesh. 
Though I myself might have reasons for those confidence. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have much more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything in this world, everything that I am, a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, following him, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider those things that I lost garbage. Why? So that I can follow Christ even more deeply and gain more of him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that which is, but that which is through faith in Christ, the intimacy, this righteousness that comes from the God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. This is what I want my whole life to be about. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to participate in his sufferings. Does that even make sense? Sure it does. For those who understand the reward that God is offering. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I've already attained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I work to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind, and I strain towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, my purpose. All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things. And if on some point you think differently, God will make it clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like him. Let's pray. I just want to give you time today. However you want to react to Jesus, let's talk to him. But hopefully the call has been clear. Hopefully the situation has been clarified. And the road before you is the road before you. I think the only question is, do you really want him? Do you truly want to live for him? If so, you got to do it his way. But if you do, it's amazing. For those who have been sacrificing for a while, it's harder, isn't it? It is. But let's keep our eyes focused and fixed upon the author and perfecter of our faith so that we will not lose heart and so that we will endure. So that, even more important, more, most importantly, 
so that we can have more of him. Let's pray. that call upon our lives. God, so sorry. Sorry that we, even though we know how worthy you are, even though we know how amazing and beautiful you are, you know, we still wake up every single day wanting our own happiness first, our own satisfaction first. And, um, and we fail to choose to see that it's really only in you that we can find our own happiness and satisfaction. It's in living out your mission and becoming and being who you say we are that we truly find ourselves. And we refuse to let go of who we think we are. And we refuse to adopt all that you have called us to be. And so thank you. Sorry for that, God. But help us every single day to want you and to have these truths absolutely clear in front of us so that we might choose you every day. Holy Spirit, you gotta, you got to work hard in us because our hearts and our minds have become so hardened. So please work hard in us because we want you and we want to live for you. Father, I even pray for the older Christians here who have given up so much. And it's always tempting because we want to rest. It's always tempting because, you know, but Lord, once again, same thing. Anoint them with your spirit so they might always be focused upon you. And instead of realizing all that they've given up, realize how much more that they still haven't attained in Christ. And Lord, may that be their true motivation every single day to love you and to serve you and to chase after you. So God, become our greatest influencer so that we might want you and your mission above all. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 